Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey listeners, Jessica here. Be sure to check out new episodes of Undetermined every Tuesday for free wherever you get your podcasts. For early and ad-free listening, check out Tenderfoot Plus on Apple Podcasts. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals interviewed and participating in the show and do not represent those of Tenderfoot TV and Resonate Recordings. All individuals described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matter such as violence and graphic descriptions, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You want to, let's just maybe walk up to the tracks and look and see like that vantage point and then we'll walk down to where she was found. This investigation has taken us many places and led us all around the city of New Orleans. But one place we've spent a lot of time in is the area where Jessica's body was found back in August of 2019. As you walk down Kenilworth Street and look over at the rows of houses, it makes you wonder, could one of Jessica's 2,000 plus neighbors have seen something? Could they know something? Could there still be evidence hidden somewhere in the small field where her body laid? There's a lot to take in here and a lot of things to consider. All right, let's walk this way. But on this day, what has our attention is a street sign at the intersection of Orleans Avenue and Kenilworth Street, just a short walk from the field where Jessica's body laid a roadside memorial inside a rather upscale neighborhood. It seems out of place. Sticking out from the ground is a large wooden cross bearing Jessica's name. A neighbor actually made it and placed it there. Tied to the bottom of the cross are a teddy bear and a bundle of pink and purple silk flowers. Just above the memorial, attached to the pole, is a custom flyer giving a little more context to any unknowing passersby. It's faded from the unrelenting New Orleans sun. The plastic sign is now bent and just kind of waving in the breeze. It's almost somber out here by itself. It's very sad. It's got the Crime Stoppers number, what happened to Jessica Easterly, and uh, 
Contrary to the memorial, the flyer was actually Audrey's doing. She figured if anyone had any information, there was a good chance they'd be a resident of Lakeview. Her hope was that posting signs around the neighborhood would maybe open some doors, or at the very least, bring awareness to her sister's case. You can definitely say they got people's attention. I remember the missing posters going around, and I was like, nobody goes missing in Lakeview. That's something that happens on, like, Dateline. I never would have thought it would happen, like, in my little niche family neighborhood. We're still like, how did this happen here? Like, what did we miss? I just feel very strongly because it's my neighborhood and because I have become friends with Audrey that I feel like I'm not going to stop until something is done. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey i'm ryan reynolds at Mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When Audrey came up with the idea of posting signs around the Lakeview neighborhood with similar posts made across social media platforms, she didn't know if anything would ever come of it. All she knew she was in a position where she felt she needed help from anyone willing. The old adage, it takes a village, right? True in many cases, and certainly true in this one. Because those signs Audrey posted did have an effect on some locals. How could it not? This type of thing doesn't happen in a neighborhood like Lakeview. Lakeview is one of the safest neighborhoods 
in New Orleans. That's one of the reasons why I moved here. This is Laura, a Lakeview resident. I grew up uptown, and then when I got married and decided to have kids, we moved to Lakeview because, as you can see right now in the afternoon, people are out walking their dogs, kids ride their bikes. It's a very family-friendly neighborhood. Like, completely can feel safe here. You can walk everywhere. That's why I like living here. We're seated under the shade of a carefully groomed tree just outside a favorite neighborhood spot, Nola Bean Coffee Shop. Across the street, bells ring at each new hour, drowning out the traffic just in front of a large stone church. It's an idyllic setting. Again, not the kind of place where something like this would happen. I remember the missing posters going around. I think it was like August 11th or 12th when they were out. And then like I saw Facebook post and next door post. And so I started like reaching out to people that were posting stuff, just like asking them, do you know her? Let's, you know, do a search thing. And then before you can get anything together, her sister found her body. And then I was like, been involved with it ever since. Because I have friends that are like, Laura, why are you involved? You hardly, you didn't even know her. You never even met her. I'm like, I know I didn't, but I was like, there's something in me that I'm like, I have to be her voice. So like, I just feel like I was, have to do something. Like if that was my sister or my mom or a friend, like I would hope people would do the same for me. When the preschool teacher first learned that Jessica was missing, she remembers having an immediate, visceral reaction. I, in my gut, said that she's not missing. I was like, she's, she's dead. Wherever she is, she's dead. Of course, it wouldn't take long for that notion to be confirmed. Like Laura said, just about a week later, the neighborhood learned that Jessica's body had been found. Again, Laura had an instant reaction to the news. She was murdered. I, when she went missing, I was like, she was murdered. Like, people don't go missing here. Like, this is not just a missing person. Like, if there was a missing person, like, it would have been on the news. It had been all over the place. Like, it was not, it was really nowhere. It was, like, from Jessica's friend, Maria, posting on her social media. I think it was Facebook when she first posted it. It went, like, viral onto the Lakeview Next Door app. And, like, I put it on there. Another girl neighbor put it on there and so it kind of just blew up from that. Laura quickly noticed that Jessica's friend Maria was making quite a splash on social media spreading word about Jessica's case so eventually she reached out. I privately messaged her friend Maria and was like I know you don't live here I know you don't know me I did not know Jessica if there's anything I can do on the grounds here like I can be your eyes here and I kind of have been that for them. Over the years, Laura has formed quite a bond with Jessica's loved ones. After some back and forth with Maria, Laura would get in touch with Audrey, and she hasn't looked back since. I feel like I've become like part of friends with Audrey, like even though I've never met her in person. Like I've been talking to her since 2019. People say that my husband says it too. Like, Laura, why does it matter? You don't even know her. Her voice is gone. She's dead. Like, that cross that is in her moral, me and the other neighbor, Sam, we're the ones that put it there. And we, I emailed Audrey and I asked her, do you want us to put her name on it? Do you want it to leave it blank? What would you like? Like, I am not looking for a reward. I'm not looking for anything. I'm looking for literally justice for her. Like, I believe the NOPD has not done their job. Doesn't take rocket science to figure this out, you know? And I understand you can't just arrest somebody when you don't have enough evidence, but I feel like they 
didn't even do enough to get evidence. They, they, it's like they didn't want to find evidence to, to prove this. Laura feels strongly that ineptitude within the NOPD has hindered the investigation. Because of that, she never passes at an opportunity to remind the police that they have a job to do here. I would call NOPD 3rd District, Lebrano. He does not like me, but guess what? That's fine. I don't care. Every Wednesday of the month, I think it's the first Wednesday every month, we have neighborhood meeting because the 3rd District is for Lakeview, and we get on, and every day I would say, every meeting, I know you're not going to tell me anything about the case, but is there anything you can update us on Jessica Easterly? Like, anything. I know it's still under investigation, so you're not allowed to say anything, but you need to tell us something. And he would just get annoyed because he wanted to just talk about like the car hand pulling and the doors getting smashed, whatever the windows being smashed all the time. He did not want to hear Sam and I when we would get on there. He would try and ignore us and change the subject every single month. He hates those meetings, literally. When he sees my name on the Zoom thing, he's like, great, Laura's here again. Laura has sort of become a chain of communication with NOPD locally, whether they like it or not, she jokes. If she's driving or walking through the neighborhood and sees anything she thinks could be of importance, she shares it. As an investigative journalist covering crime, one thing police have always told me when it comes to tips, send them in no matter how insignificant you think they are. Let them be the judge of that. Of course, living just a few blocks away, Laura often drives past Justin and Jessica's house. So I'll drive by and I always see cars parked with the license plates always to the house in the front of the car. Like most people would just pull in their driveway. So I always thought that was weird. And there was always, always a Range Rover there. Right when Jessica went missing, it was just a Range Rover and a motorcycle. The motorcycle disappeared shortly after her body was found and then the Range Rover disappeared. Because after the Range Rover disappeared, all of a sudden, like, a Mercedes and a BMW showed up in the driveway. And I was like, okay, this is sketchy. Like, because the BMW will sometimes be there by itself. Then it disappears for a while. Then the Mercedes, same thing. And then there's another guy that lives there, which is weird, that appeared after Jessica was found dead. She thinks it was about six months after Jessica's death that the man moved in with Justin, his father, and his daughter. Laura admits she rarely sees Justin, or anyone living in the home for that matter. Yet there's always enough activity to keep her thinking. For example, not too long ago, that Range Rover that had gone missing for some time, all of a sudden, reappeared. It still weirds me out. I'm like, her car was gone right after she died, and then now it's back? Like, where was it? Where was it for the past year? And more recently, in October of 2020, something very out of the ordinary caught her attention. So I drove by and it was a futon and a headboard to a bed. And they were putting it out like almost when dusk was coming. It was like nighttime. I called Audrey and she was like, Laura, will you drive by and take pictures? I need like evidence. So I did. One of the side streets took pictures of it. And then... All of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, Audrey, I drove by again, and there was a NOPD, like, forensics truck or something. I was like, oh, my God, the forensics truck is there now. And she was like, are they taking it? And I was like, it doesn't look like they're taking this stuff. I said, it looks like they're, like, taking swabs off it or, like, testing it. I was like, they never took the stuff, and it sat out there for, like, a week or two, and then it was gone. According to Laura, it appeared as though the NOPD took swabs of the furniture for testing. But if they did, 
No one in the family knows of any results, nor does Laura. She doesn't necessarily expect the police to tell her, but as a Lakeview resident, she'd certainly like to know what it was about. I mean, it's not every day you see authorities swabbing your neighbor's belongings. Laura admits she's thankful to see that investigators are working the case, at least they appear to be. Though for her, it in no way makes up for the past. I mean, there's so many things I feel like they messed up in the beginning. Like, how can we fix it now to get answers for the family, you know? I thought the police are here to help us. You know, I'm here to back them if they back us. You know, it makes me nervous that I did call in the beginning and went to harass NOPD and say, hey, I'm calling about the Jessica Easterly case. And sometimes the third district would say, I don't even know who you're talking about. And I'm like, excuse me? We shouldn't be fighting to get this. Like, the police and the authorities should be wanting to help. No one should have to fight, you know, for a family member and anything like this. Like, I couldn't imagine if I was Audrey, how they're feeling, having to deal with the sadness of the whole situation and then still having to fight, you know, and keep strong, you know, be very strong. I feel that I'm her voice here in the neighborhood and maybe me being annoying to all the police here, our DA, our council member, anyone that they'll maybe do something because if we don't stop harassing them and stop fighting for her no one will and then it will get just dusted under the rug and be another cold case that just sits there and I just feel very strongly because it's my neighborhood and because I have become friends with Audrey that I feel like I'm not going to stop until something is done. It's not just Laura who feels this way. Many neighbors have become invested in this case. And while some, like Laura, have taken a very direct and intentional approach, others got involved sort of by accident, like this couple we met named Chuck and Margaret, who shared a rather interesting story of how they got involved. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. March 15th, 2020. Felt like an ordinary day for Chuck and Margaret. They were out on their typical leisurely stroll near the area where Jessica was found some seven months earlier. Surprisingly, the couple was hardly even aware of the incident involving their neighbor, Jessica. So it's not like they were out there looking for anything or trying to take part in the investigation. But they would end up finding something on their track that would make them a part of this story indefinitely. We were walking the dog. We're heading towards City Park. And we were going between the railroad and that security building that they built for pump operators when, pumping station operators when you, there's a hurricane. So we're, we're between there, and I think Margaret spotted a, a woodpecker in this tree, and she went off this way, and I'm, I'm walking the way we were going toward the pumping station, and I spot that ID on the ground. An ID. Peculiar, yes, but also not the strangest thing to stumble upon. After all, many people pass through this area on any given day. Therefore, anyone could reach in their pocket or purse and drop their ID in the process. But Chuck was about to learn that this wasn't just any random person's ID. And it appeared from looking at it, it was kind of whacked. It looked like it had been hit by the mower. So we've walked there quite a few times, and I never saw it before, but... So I picked it up, and I walk over to her, and I show it to her, and she says, oh, that's a woman who was killed. At the time, Chuck had no idea what Margaret was talking about, but it turns out she knew a little bit about Jessica's case, and therefore understood the potential importance of the ID they just found. I had heard about it because I had surgery in the summer, and so I spent a lot of time resting and looking at my phone. And I don't think I read about it in the newspaper. I think I read about it on this neighborhood Facebook group. And we had her name from the ID. So I guess I sort of searched the old posts and found the name of her friend that had posted it. So I sent her a message saying we found it. That same day, an officer with the NOPD came out to Chuck and Margaret's house to collect the evidence. Things stayed quiet for a while after that, until about five months later, when the lead detective at the time, Anthony Lunn, finally gave them a call. They gave their story and answered any questions he had. But to this day, nothing more has come of that discovered ID. Nothing that we know of, since the NOPD isn't relaying any information to us from the investigation. Really, all it's done is added to the mystery surrounding this case. It seems kind of weird that, you know, you find out that she supposedly didn't have any ID, which you would assume that was because, oh, well, maybe your purse was still at the house. 
But then why would she take that unusual ID with her, just that one unusual ID? Initially, it was difficult to make sense of this. One can obviously speculate, but Chuck and Margaret aren't going to do that. They just hope that the small part they played and what they found can help lead to some resolution at the end of all of this. Though the idea has only added more questions to the mix, there was one thing about it that we were able to determine. When Todd and I visually compared the ID that the neighbors found with the ID that Justin showed police the night Jessica was reported missing, we could confirm that both were Louisiana state IDs. Neither were a driver's license, and both had her name listed as Jessica Easterly, her maiden name. Both had issue dates of 2019, and both had expiration dates of 2023. What we could determine visually was that they were not the same ID. They were both vertical IDs. However, the one left at the house had a completely different layout. At the top of the ID, there was text above her photo, and the one found by neighbors in the field had her photo at the top of the ID without text. Could it have been placed there after Jessica was found? And if so, why? Or was it simply overlooked at the scene? Remember, according to Justin's original statement to the NOPD, it was reported that Jessica's keys, phone, medications, purse, wallet, and her ID were left at home. So how does a second ID end up right where her body was found seven months after the fact? And why an ID in the first place? Why not a credit card, too, or a wallet to carry the ID? Why not any of the other items that were left behind? The only thing we do know for certain, as Todd reminded me, is that a piece of new evidence like this has great investigative value in this new era of touch DNA. It took Detective Lawn about five months to reach out to Margaret and Chuck about the ID, and that was way too long in Audrey's mind. So during that waiting period, in April of 2020, she actually decided to file a formal complaint, nine months since she found her sister's body in the same area the couple found her ID. So when I found out that the couple in Lakeview who found Jessica's ID had not heard from the detective, I decided to file a formal complaint with the Public Integrity Bureau. And we listed all the things that NOPD had failed to do to properly investigate. Four months pass, and Audrey receives no reply regarding the complaint, but she persists. So we had to email E. Creighton, his name was E. Creighton, our formal complaint, then I'm going to say it was probably May, June or so. I called him to find out what was going on with it. And he said that he couldn't find it in his email, that I'd have to do it all over again, send it to him all over again. And so I sent it all over to him again, sent him everything. And then I kept calling and calling and finally got a hold of someone and he gave me a control number and I gave him the control number and they're like, yeah, well, you're just gonna have to talk to him. So I would leave messages. I literally called every day for weeks on end. 
never heard back from him. And then finally on August 6th, I talked to Mr. Creighton and he informed me that they were going to be investigating. This was a small win for Audrey and the rest of Jessica's family, a step in the right direction. As a reminder, Audrey wasn't the only person out there working the authorities. Laura, the eyes and ears of Lakeview, had also been busy. I feel like my constant pushing got somewhere because (laughs) he got so annoyed that, you know, it went to other places and Joe... Our council member, he would email the uh, coroner because I was like, the coroner is, according to Lebrano, the coroner is who is holding this up because he classified it, her death as undetermined. I would get friends and post it on Facebook and on next door to call the number, email, and just say her family deserves her body, harass the coroner. I mean, which is so sad that you have to harass somebody to get the body of your loved one. Like, that should not have to happen to anybody, you know? And, I mean, I don't know if it happens in other cities, but I'm embarrassed that it's happening here in New Orleans. Just as a reminder, at this point, when the Public Integrity Bureau got involved in Jessica's case, her body had been at the coroner's office for a year. I mean, it's almost been two years, and there literally has been zero answers for her family. Literally nothing. I mean... They don't know how she died. They don't know how she ended up there. Maybe a set of new eyes, a set of new ears, everything would maybe find something that NOPD's not. I don't know. I feel like NOPD messed up so much in the beginning that it scares me that they lost a lot of evidence that they could have found. Like, it, it's still weird to me. I'm like, Laura believes someone out there holds the answer, and she hopes this new interest in the case will get Jessica one step closer to justice. But it turns out there's one other neighbor in Lakeview who believes he may have found some answers. When I realized that he thought I was somebody else, I decided to press him a little bit. And I said, well, why don't you come clean and give the family some peace? It just became more and more obvious to me what would happen. I'll never believe anything else happened. Undetermined is a production of Resonate Recordings and Tenderfoot TV in conjunction with Cadence 13, written and hosted by me, Jessica Knoll, and produced by Dennis Cooper and Todd McComas, with additional production by Whitney Bozarth. Executive producers are Dennis Cooper, Mark Minnery, Jacob Bozarth, Donald Albright, and Payne Lindsay. Our senior producer is John Street. Editing, mixing, mastering, and sound design by Caleb Melcher, Dayton Cole, and Pat Kickleiter of the Resonate Recordings team. If you have a podcast or are looking to start one, check us out at ResonateRecordings.com. Our theme song and original score is by Dirt Poor Robbins, with additional scoring by Dayton Cole. 
Our cover art is by Station 16. You can follow Undetermined Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter at Undetermined Pod. Show notes as well as bonus content can be found on our website, undeterminedpod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please take time to subscribe, rate, and review. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. And finally, if you have any information about this case, call Crime Stoppers at 1877973767 You know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University, Maryland's Forensic Science Department. Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University, Maryland's forensic science programs today.